Well, good morning to you. It is 5.35 on the ticket, and this is January 24th, 2024. 30 years ago today, the little ticket started. We'll have more on that coming up here in 25 minutes and throughout the morning as we celebrate 30 years on the air here at the little ticket. Our big birthday party is this Friday at the House of Blues. That's going to be a good time with the P1s. Pretty incredible, this long run of a radio station, and for this show, a very long run that started 30 years ago today in the afternoon, and then we made our way to mornings in October of 95, and we've been here ever since. (laughs) (laughs) Pretty incredible, and uh, very appreciative of you guys, and we'll talk plenty about it here this morning on the show. We also have our pigskin panel Get that assembled this morning. Starting at 7.55, we'll have Tim Kalashaw from the Dallas Morning News and Corby Davidson from the Hardline, who was a intern the first year of the ticket. Was he here day one? I don't think so. I'm thinking no, he came uh, like two a months year later. later or, or something. Yeah, maybe a year later. Thanks, buddy. You bet. <laughs> And then started talking to former presidents on the air from uh, where he started as an intern here at the ticket. Okay, so we're going to talk about what we were doing here at the station in 25 minutes. Can you name the artist of the song that was number one in January of 1994? There's actually three artists on this song. Oh, yeah, so this is Sting and Brian Adams and Bon Jovi or somebody? No. There's Sting there. Hey, Brian Adams is from that movie. Some Three Musketeers. Yeah. This was number one? This was number one in the land in January of 1994. Oh, Rod Stewart? Yeah, very good, yeah. That was the trio for... All for love, and this was in an era where a song like this, it seems like a lot of them were Brian Adams. Yeah, he got quite a run there for a while. Peter Cetera, one of them. Peter Etc. Peter Etc. would uh, record a song, and it would become uh, the theme for music, and it would be number one. But yeah, this was... (laughs) Oh... I don't think this is that bad a song. Oh. I haven't heard it in a long time. But yeah, wasn't that unusual for a a song that was the theme of a music to be number one? And 1994, looking back, was a big, big year for movies and for movie soundtracks. We'll talk about soundtracks here in a second. The number one movie in 1994 was Forrest Gump. And it netted over $330 million that year. This movie was second. And this song, I believe, hit number one later in the year. Just Brian Adams also? No. You'll know when he starts singing. 
There's a calm surrender To the rush of day I have no idea who this is. Why don't you go ahead and do it, John? It's John Bon Jovi. No, it's Elton John. Never heard of him. Can you feel the love from Lion King? And this one brings back memories because he became my middle child. At that time, he was my youngest child. He was three years old, and he was all about the Lion King. And if we were on some ticket road trip or something, this song would come on. It would always make me really sad. Um, but yeah, Lion King was that year. True Lies. Dumb and Dumber was 1994. You'll laugh, but Speed was 1994. That was a big movie. If you go back and watch it now, it looks pretty ridiculous. And what a big year it was for Jim Carrey. There was Dumb and Dumber, The Mask... Um and uh, Christmas trees and Christmas tree. No, I lost my spot. <laughs> um, you know the one where he's the the pet detective movie. Ace Ventura uh-huh. was 1994. What a huge year oh, for Jim baby. Carrey. When if you asked me when was Jim Carrey at his peak, I would have said twelve to fifteen years ago, not thirty. <laughs> yeah, I think that was his peak year. I mean, he had a lot of hits in the 90s, but. I don't know if you could get bigger than 94. Mm-hmm. All of those came out in 94. Dumb and Dumber, he and Jeff Daniels. I still think it holds up, doesn't it? Last time I watched I remember thinking it was still really funny. I know we've quoted it a zillion times Yeah, here. I need to watch it again, but I would assume it still holds up. Yeah. Yeah. I think so. Um, this was a, a um, this is a song that did really well from that soundtrack. And uh, see if you can name the artist. This Brian Adams? No. It's not Dan Marino either. Jim Carrey? No. Jacob Dylan? Good guess. You're getting closer. I don't think you'll get it. Okay. What is it? It's an artist that you've uh, associated me with probably about 500 times in Randy the last Rogers. No. It's Pete Droge. If you don't love me, <laughs> oh, yeah. I kill myself. Because your my wife's cousin, your played, brother, built fences. I'm for trying Pete to Droge. explain it. My wife's cousin is the bass player you hear on this song. He played okay. bass for Pete Droge. And you guys have <laughs> named about I don't know every relative possible in association with this song. You know that's a pretty close relationship. Wife's cousin. Yeah, it wasn't yeah. that complicated. And, like, you could have gone to every show for free, probably, when they roll through town or he rolls yeah. through town. He was only with him for a couple of years, I think, or maybe oh. just one year he toured oh. with him. Never mind. Yeah, he so, didn't stay with him for a long that time. That hurts, but... But that was, was cool for him, though. I remember he was obsessed with Chaz the Vampire from our New Orleans trip when we recorded and <laughs> took pictures with Chaz the Vampire on the Vampire <laughs> I Tour. about Chaz. Well, I've apparently forgotten about Chaz, too. Yeah. I got the pictures of Chaz somewhere. Didn't he have funny teeth? Yeah, he had fangs and the big top hat yeah. and little round glasses. Okay. <laughs> that guy gave us a tour of the... And he the used to send stuff up here all the time with the little bats that he would draw on it. Okay. And he built fences for your cousin. 
some say that 94 was the greatest, if not the greatest year for movies, may have been the greatest year for soundtracks. You have the Dumb and Dumber soundtrack. Pulp Fiction was also that year. Okay. Was the Bodyguard um, that year? I don't think so. Oh. Um, but thanks for a random uh, mention of a movie. Reality Bites was that year, too. And as they said, uh, this article mentioned that it wasn't necessarily you know a song that would associate with a certain era like pulp fiction had you know all sorts of genres of music from soul to old rock and roll uh, surf music was in mm-hmm. it um but that soundtrack just the albums you guys remember buying like cds of movie soundtracks yeah, and that know. was that I was bought, huge so was dumb and dumber i bought that one pulp fiction did you i used to listen to it over and over and over. It had so much great music on it. Reality Bites had Lenny Kravitz, U2, The Knack, Violent Femmes, The Ticket's Own, Lisa Loeb, and Stay, which was the first independent single to hit number one on the Billboard Hot 100. Ever. Ticket's own. Ever. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that was a crazy story, and I didn't realize that until she was in studio talking with us. At the time that she was like an unsigned artist. Until she mentioned that when she was on with us. Okay, that's Lee Harvey Oswald commenting on Lisa Loeb's single, (laughs) Stay. Until somebody asked me about Lisa Loeb. (laughs) Um, But but yeah, that she and it was somehow that Ethan Hawke knew of her since he was in that movie and he liked that song. Yeah, and uh, and then he directed the uh, music video. video too. Yeah, and that was a huge song. I heard it the other day. It's that's still a great song. You say, "Yeah, only hear what I want to." I don't know if it's great when you sing it. It's great when she sings it. It's great when she sings it. Anyway, I shut up. (laughs) Music brought me joy there for a while. (laughs) No, it didn't. So there you go. A little uh, taste of 1994 in the movies we watched and the songs we were listening to. Seems like a long time ago, but also not that long ago. Yeah, those songs weren't. That old and ancient that we just dug up. Those movies, like when we were in, when we were children watching movies that were 30 years old, didn't they seem like they were 200 years old? Yes. Because they were in black and white. And, and now you watch some of those. Your Forrest parents Gump. were insisting that they were good movies. <laughs> <laughs> you watch Forrest Gump now and it wouldn't feel that dated. No. I, I wouldn't know. think so. And my kids uh, watched like Forrest Gump, you know, like. 20 years after it was released i know it held up then i would yeah it holds up a good movie like that holds up 30 years later okay now with gordon movies that are released last week don't hold up with gordon most of them they weren't edited properly or something It is 6 a.m. on January 24th, 1994. Good morning and welcome to history. You are listening to the first press of the first all-sports radio station in Dallas history. You are listening to 1310 a.m., which will become known as The Ticket. Your ticket inside Dallas-Fort Worth sports. I am Skip Bayless, a.k.a. Dr. Bay. And my show, 6 to 9 weekday mornings, is called The Wake Up Call. Welcome to The Wake Up Call. I have a promise. You can put this one in 33-inch headlines. 
We will win our ball game. This station will kick all the other stations' butts. We will kick KLIF's butt. We will kick WBAP's butt and KRLD's butt. We will because we have the best team in this city. Now, coming up at 9 here on the ticket, live from Atlanta, is Kurt Menefee. Man, will it be great to have sports talk in this town after 9 a.m. and before 5 p.m. Now, following uh, Kurt here at 11 on the ticket will be Greg the Hammer Williams and Mike Reiner. You better buckle up for these two. I'm talking about WBAP meets classic rock. Now, at 2 here on the ticket, prepare to be thoroughly entertained by two KRLD expatriates, Craig Miller and George Dunham. I predict their talents will amaze and amuse a lot of folks in this market. Then at 5 o'clock here on the ticket, what a coup, or I should say coop, for this station. Chuck Cooperstein has escaped from Philadelphia, and he returns to the slot he should have had at KRLD if anyone over there had half a clue. Now, you can get the poop and the scoop from Coop, who will take you home between 5 and 8. But you know what? The real star of the ticket, and you're about to find this out here on the Skip Bayless Show, the wake-up call, the real star will be you, the caller. <laughs> this will become your station, boys and girls, your 24-hour source for sports. Come grow with us. Set your dial to 1310 and keep it right there. Oh, yeah. Wow. It's just like it was yesterday. That was Skip Bayless starting our to radio station. KRLD expatriate. On January 24th, 1994. I was thinking about this this week as we celebrate 30 years on the ticket. We all woke up early that day. We weren't up here doing the morning show with Skip. Craig and I weren't. Gordon was. Yeah, I was. And I think maybe we had met you once at the meeting that we had that, hey, we're actually going on the air because Junior and I had left our jobs back in end of October of 93, thinking we were going on the air November 1st. That became November 15th, December 1st, on and on, until January 24th finally hit. But Gordo was up here as a intern... <laughs> Like an unofficial intern. Writer for Skip or something? Mm -hmm. I did comedy for Skip's morning show. It was very oil and water. And I remember even that first morning you had something on there like a return of the Rolling Stones clinking glasses together and saying that they always listen to Skip (laughs) Bayless. And I remember thinking... That's one of the funniest things I've ever heard on radio. Who is that guy? Yeah, you were an early supporter mainly because of the fake Rolling Stones. (laughs) I thought it was hilarious. And didn't really know who you were. I think it lasted two weeks with Skip. And finally it had enough. It may have only been a week. I should go back and try to look at any journals or calendars that I have from that. And a scoop. But there was, uh, at some point in there, Skip, the, the program director at the time, which wasn't Mike, it was after the change. So Mike lasted, Mike was the program director for the first week, right? Yeah, or a month, maybe. Yeah. Something like that. Hmm. Maybe even three months. Yeah. I can't remember who, but it wasn't Mike who, who said, who came and told us, hey, listen, uh, Skip, uh, you know, thinks that it's not working, the comedy element, he just wants he to focus on the sports. He may have sent Fernando to talk to you. He may have been. Wants to just focus on the sports. 
And then, so went in to Skip and then said, you know, hey, Skip, just wanted to say it was great, you know, working, you know, the time that we did. Thanks for the opportunity, so on. Uh, and Skip w- said, what? Damn, you're not going to be doing it anymore? <laughs> he pretended like he had nothing to do with it and he didn't even know about it and everything. Not Meanwhile, funny. the person who had approached me said that, hey, Skip came to us and <laughs> thinks that we need <laughs> What a strange dude that yeah. guy is. And I remember the I remember when I first met you, Giorgio, and I guess the Invisible Muser was with you at the time. I can't remember whether I'm Craig sure was there. Was. It was in the hallway of that radio station. Okay. Back Be- in our temporary studio yeah, that temporary we started at Addison. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that that was the first time I'd had a real conversation with you, and it was uh like about six feet in from the door. Yeah. Inside that radio station, inside the hallway that you went in there. And I remember meeting you and seeing your glasses and noticing your, the birthmark on your neck and everything. Like I still what have that visual guy this guy? Of, of meeting you and you were that's smiling wild. and laughing. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember thinking you were really, really funny. And then five minutes later, you would say something really personally insulting and I'd want to kill you. And. Really, nothing's changed here yeah. in 30 years. Yeah. Um, that was the formula. It worked then, and it works now. And that day, Junior and I went in <laughs> the afternoon, and um, we did two to five back then. And uh, like me, I'm sure you woke up at 6 o'clock just to hear, is this really going to go on the air? Is yep. this really going to happen? Yeah, because we had played that loop Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. All weekend, we played a loop over and over, like a one-minute thing with everybody's voice on it and promotional loop it's a radio stunt yeah. when a station's about to sign on the air at least they used to do it that way and so yeah at six o'clock after months really you know a longer time than that talking about it and then quitting our jobs and then waiting to go on the air we finally went on the air super bowl week of all weeks the cowboys are going to play the bills again in atlanta that sunday and we go on the air that monday before the super bowl and it was just There was a lot of energy that day, and I remember we went to lunch. I think we met up at work around 11, Yeah, went to lunch, and we were in the car at 11 to hear the Hardline sign on with Mike and Grego, and we just loved what we heard. We we loved what we heard all morning, all afternoon, and couldn't wait to get on the air at 2 o'clock that day, but I remember being very nervous. Oh, yeah. Because I I wasn't sure if anybody was listening. Other than our peers, I thought the only people that would be listening would be our peers at that point, and I was very nervous about being judged by my peers. <laughs> yeah, and you had done more talk shows than I had, you know, with just fill-in work mm-hmm. at either KRLD and TSN. We were the backups to the backup to the backups. No one knew who the heck we were. Right. And I just remember thinking, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure if I know what I'm doing. And I'm <laughs> What are we going to do for three hours? And thank goodness we had the hard line there because we'd spend the first 20 minutes of our show talking to them yeah, and kind of easing us into it, and then off we went. Yeah, because for months and months, people were trying to figure out who was going to be on the ticket, that original lineup. And some people would guess Chuck Cooperstein and Skip. You are listening to the first breath. Okay. But nobody would guess <laughs> any of us. Or no. Grego or Mike or anybody like that. And so I felt really under the microscope that first day and that 
I think it probably wore off by the time we got to Atlanta and we had were immersed in the Super Bowl for that week. And oh, yeah, that was, that was so much fun. There was a lot of pressure that first day. Yes, that first day we went on the air, the day before the Cowboys had beaten the 49ers, completing the guarantee that Jimmy had made on Friday that we will win the game, and That's they right. did. And they were about to win their second straight Super Bowl. How about them, Cowboys? Yeah! That's right. There was no week off in between the conference championship game and the Super Bowl back then. Yeah. We were just right into it. and Off to Atlanta we went, and gosh, that was an awesome week. And uh, the ticket was there, January 24th, 1994. All right, we'll have some more on that later this morning. And the musers through the years, you may hear something that you haven't heard in 20 years or so later in the program. Up next, we got Gordo on the observation deck. Bad news for sports fans next. Cranking out hot sports opinions and kicking each other in the footballs and baseballs and basketballs. Sports Radio 96.7 and 13.10, The Ticket. It is 620 here on The Ticket. Wednesday morning, January 24th, it's The Ticket's 30th birthday today. And coming up at 640, we were taking some calls yesterday and we heard from a longtime P1. You want to stay tuned for that, but right now it's the Observation Deck with Gordo, brought to us by Tylock George Laser Eye Care and A Number One Air. Happy 30th birthday. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. As I said on uh, on the invasion yesterday, 30-year-olds are hot, so this is we're in our prime right now. No, 30 no. years of age, man. Yeah, man. We can still compete in sports, 30 years old. and But yet we're mature yeah. enough to... You know, have our own place and uh, pay our own bills. Uh, so happy 30th birthday to you guys. Okay, let's talk about sports fans. That crazy case about the three Chiefs fans that presumably froze to death. Have you heard this story? No. Okay, so there's this guy who's a big Kansas City, Kansas City <laughs> Chiefs fan. <laughs> He was having a watching party back on January 7th as the uh, Chargers were playing the Chiefs. And he had some friends over. He claims that he went to bed leaving his three friends downstairs to hang out with an unidentified fifth man. And didn't know what happened to them until the fiancé of one of those guys broke into the home two days later and found a dead one of the guys dead on the back porch. So then police were called, and police discovered two other bodies in the backyard dead. The cops also claimed that Willis, who's the guy who was holding the party, it's his place, cops said that he opened the door in his underwear holding an empty glass of wine two days after the... Party, <laughs> and he claims to be he was asleep for two days on the couch. Well, the medical examiner hasn't determined how these people died yet. From what I've read, I haven't read any cause of death. They're waiting on toxicology and all that. But Willis says that he was close friends with the victims, and he also says they froze to death. But the families of those three victims say that Willis's story doesn't add up, and they're demanding answers now. Cops have not confirmed. Willis has claimed that there was a fifth man in the house on the night of 
in question. But one of the victims' mother says nobody believes this story that Willis is telling. None of his friends, none of the family, none of us believe it. Something isn't right about the story. So, yeah, Willis has moved out of that home since then. But his attorney claims that he last saw the guys leave his house when he went to bed. And that two of the guys uh, had their cars parked on the street, but Willis never noticed those vehicles out in front of his place parked for two days because he claims he did not leave his house on January 8th, the intervening day. And none of the family members of the three men had contacted him before the police showed up at his house, he claims. But the family of one of the deceased contests this, and his attorney says that two people did come by Willis's house, but he didn't hear them because he sleeps with headphones and a loud fan. So he didn't hear people knocking on his door wondering where their loved ones were. Headphones and a loud fan. And a loud fan. He did say that one of the deceased's wives contacted him on Facebook, but he didn't see the message until after cops were contacted. It's a strange story, and there does feel like there's missing information. However, let's not jump to conclusions and say that okay. this guy killed them or whatever. But have you ever have heard wait. of someone passed out for two days? Yeah. There two are some, days? There are some people who go hard enough that they, uh, well, even if they're not passed out for two days. They're in a fog. They're in a fog because they wake up drinking the next day, just staying indoors, not doing anything, just blasted. Okay. <laughs> it's hard to believe, I know, because most people are not like that. But there are some people like that. But how do, do three guys freeze to death outside unless they also were really blasted, let's say, and they mm-hmm. passed out? Yeah. I, could see I guess that, that yeah. could happen. Yeah. But if they were aware and awake, and even if they couldn't get back in Willis's house, you would think that they would know enough to go get in their car or go knock on a neighbor's house or something like that. Well, so that, that sounds possible, though, because if this guy was that blasted, mm-hmm. you could easily be so drunk, pass out, and freeze to death. Yeah, people do that. What a yeah, terrible way to go. It. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Or is it a peaceful way to go because well, you're drunk, you're having fun? I don't think it's how you drew it up, though. No, it's not how you draw up the play <laughs> of your life, but but it's probably better than being eaten by a shark in someone's backyard. Yeah. And the Chiefs won that game, right? They beat the Chargers, didn't they? All right. That's not a weird game that they that. lost. So that's how, if you're a diehard Chiefs fan, would it be a terrible way to go? Yes, George. Okay. Whether they win or lose, it has nothing to do with it. Unless you're a mega fan. (laughs) And uh, anyway, that's a story that we will be following. One other sports story I have for you here is about a Chinese runner named Uncle Chen. (laughs) I saw this. Surely he has more of a name than that. But he's identified in the news story as Uncle Chen. He 
ran a marathon. He's 52 years of age. Ran a marathon in three hours and 33 minutes. Not bad. Not bad. Now, it's slower than his time from a couple years ago. He's uh, five minutes slower than two years ago. And when he was 50, he ran it in three hours and 28 minutes. Okay. He's been running this marathon since 2018. And he did it in three hours and 36 minutes in. So he's improved his time from the first time that they he competed in this thing. But he does it in an unusual way. And he actually gets in trouble because this year the Chinese Athletics Association implemented a new rule in an effort to promote healthy participation in their marathon. And Uncle Chen violated it repeatedly. So I think he does not get credit for his time. He's in trouble with them. You know what the rule is, George? I think it's not smoking. You cannot chain smoke (laughs) during their marathon, which (laughs) Uncle Chen did. How could you do that? He runs... A three-hour, 33-minute marathon while chain-smoking, <laughs> while stopping, like a slowing down to light up, to cup the lighter where he can light a cigarette. Yeah, think how he could improve his time just if he didn't have to light right. all those cigarettes. Or if he didn't smoke. And then, yeah, plus the smoking factor. <laughs> <laughs> smoking, and the pictures I've seen of this look so funny of him... You know, stumbling along, slowing down to a stumble while he lights up a cigarette cup in the thing. It's just so stupid looking. To show you how science and medicine change over the years, you guys have probably seen the old black and white photo of the Tour de France from the 1930s or 40s. And guys are riding along smoking. Mm -hmm. And they're actually, as late as the cannibal days of Eddie Merckx, there were coaches and doctors that believed that helped lung function yeah and they encouraged the athletes to smoke (laughs) yeah i remember seeing old print ads of cigarette companies that it would be some it would promote some health benefit to smoking yeah isn't that amazing yes and the fact that it was in sports (laughs) at that time that hey uh, a, a good cigarette before really clears the lungs the Rangers have had several players that were smokers in the dugout over the years, including Charlie Huff and Bobby Bonds. Oh, yeah. Yeah, is baseball the sport that had smoking in it the longest? You mean like on the bench or the yeah. sideline? Yeah, like there never was there a time when basketball players would head to the bench and light one up? <laughs> no, I don't ever remember that. Maybe in the locker room. I don't know. Yeah, yeah probably in the locker room. What about uh, football? I remember Barry Switz used to smoke on the sidelines. There's that shot of Lynn Dawson at halftime of the Super Bowl. Yes, yeah. yes. And he's smoking. <laughs> yeah, it was a big moment in an OU game, and one of the cameras caught Barry on the sideline. He had a cigarette behind his hip, and he pulled it out right before the snap of the ball. And yeah, and took a secret drag. little tug off of it. <laughs> no drag. God, Barry's great. The smoking looked cool. Yes. Yeah. Hey. You know it, it does. At least does, pretend like it doesn't. That. Yes! <laughs> That's awesome! Yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen George have a cigarette. Have you ever had one? Oh, yeah. Huh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would say probably less than two dozen. Wow, yeah. you've had that many? Yeah. That's wild. There's been several nights of having so much 
Alcohol. Uh, alcohol is like, yeah, yeah, I'll take one of those cigarettes. So you've had a cig- When was the last time you had a cigarette? Uh, probably like, five years ago. Wow. This is breaking news. Here it is. We've been together for 30 years and we're just now finding this out about you. You had a cigarette five years ago? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wasn't bad either. You like Uh-oh. it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I mean, no, I... Like I said, maybe 18 cigarettes in a lifetime, maybe. Wow. I swear to you, that is at least 17 more than I thought really? you would have. Yes, yeah. me too. I thought you were like me. I had one. My mom was a very occasional smoker. And she would rarely smoke in front of us. But one time she did, and I asked for to try it. And it was the most horrific thing I think I've ever done. <laughs> and I couldn't understand why anyone would want to suck and I, she probably knew what she was doing, giving me, you know, I was probably 10 or 12, <laughs> giving me a puff. And I've never had it one since. I've never even tried one since. It See, did. I don't think that's true. I remember us drinking and you would, you had one, at least one night. I don't you, I know. I mean, you were I, blasted too. Oh my even, God, you were blasted. Even blasted. I mean, I may have put one in my mouth and taken a puff, but yeah. I've never it, it was not a case of you... Like, you went through three or four that night. It was one. I've never smoked one cigarette in my life. I may have held it as it burned down or something and taken one puff, but I can't... It makes me sick even thinking about inhaling smoke. I don't know how people do that. Yeah. I remember in eighth grade trying it the first time thinking, it's pretty good. Jeez. What was good about it? I don't know. It just... uh, it, It didn't like... Uh, you know, wasn't repulsive. It, it was kind of like, okay, this, yeah, kind of like that burn and that, uh, and I, and I coughed a little bit, but I was thinking, I could see how you could get addicted to these things. Okay, kids, please do not listen but to don't what George is saying right now. <laughs> don't do it, kids. Please. <laughs> what about you? You tried it the first time. You probably, you I had to have liked never it a bit. smoked a cigarette in oh, my life. My God. Liar. In my life. Liar, it's disgusting. Liar, liar. As we're talking about the early years of the ticket this Boy. morning on our 30th birthday. Chimney Gordo. When we lived together in the first ticket compound, uh. Gordo would come in every day or every other day. Hey, you got three bucks. I need to go down to Park and Market and get some cigarettes. Yeah, I'm out. Give me three bucks. I funded your habit, so I was an enabler. <laughs> yeah, I remember the early days of the ticket. When did uh, they take that out of bars? Late 90s? Smoking in Dallas? Yeah, because I remember uh, being at bars with you. Yeah. And oh, you yeah. Were smoking at the bar. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's where you came up with the character. What's the matter? Can't handle it. <laughs> yeah, you always like my taunting smoker character. <laughs> I love that guy. <laughs> All right. So there you go. The uh, moral happy birthday, is, Uncle Chen. The, mor- yes. the moral is kids don't smoke. Kids. Yes. Don't stop. smoke or don't. You'll, start, you'll start winning Chinese marathons. <laughs> right. Sports Radio 96.7 and 1310, the tickets. Do you want a better ride? With Alto, that is exactly what you get. Download the Alto app and experience a safe and reliable experience like no other with professional drivers and branded SUVs. And if you text RIDE to 22126 right now, you could win a $200 uh, voucher to experience Alto for yourself. That's RIDE to 22126. In 15 minutes, this week's pigskin panel, Tim Kalashaw from the Dallas Morning News, as always, joins us. And Corby Davidson from the Hardline. Talk about the divisional round of the playoffs, the latest Cowboys drama, and more. Pigskin panel for two segments starting at 7.55. Today is the ticket's 30th birthday. 
Happy birthday to America's favorite radio station. What a ride this has been. And there are now four day oneers left at the little ticket. The three of us and Steve Cactus Pryor from production. You're not Shout counting Rick Arnett? That's been debated. Whenever I bring up Rick, you say he's not a day oneer. No, it's the other way around, <laughs> as is evidenced by today. And uh, we just lost one in Fernando, who retired a couple of months ago, mm-hmm. but he was also a day oneer. And now we're down to just a very few. When we started here 30 years ago, my hope was that we could make it two years. And at the very least, I would have on my resume that I hosted a weekday talk show in Dallas for two years, and that would probably allow me to get another job. I never, ever imagined we would be here 30 years later. No. But the fact that we were the first sports station, I thought we had a chance to... Like you said, carve out something. You know, it was, it was our, without question, our our big, big, big break. And we have a lot of people to thank and congratulate here on our 30th anniversary. You can't make it 30 years in this business without a lot of people doing a lot of great work. Everyone who has ever hosted a weekday or weekend show here, produced a show, done tickers, done a weekly show, traffic reports, worked in production or sales or promotions or interned for us. Our upper management that's always given the on-air folks a lot of leeway and editorial control. It's been a pretty amazing team to play for. Yes, we do bust each other's balls a lot around here, but that's always been a part of it because in the end, this staff from day one has always been the best at having fun, but also taking our job seriously and understanding what the listener wants. The bar's been really high around here from year one, And it has never ceased to amaze me how this staff collectively has cleared the bar every year for 30 years. And somehow, last year, 2023, was our best ratings year ever. Just insane. Yeah, the P1s have been so loyal to us through the years. And, you know, I've never really thought about it that way. But you're right. Once in that first year when we had that huge ratings book, that's like been the standard here. Yes, Every year. Like winning the Super Bowl, and it's like, okay, win another one, and now win another one, and that's where we've been, and that has been the standard. And people have been predicting the demise of this station since before we went on the air. You'll remember the story that we have told before, but three of the biggest, brightest minds in the market at that time were overheard having a discussion about the ticket coming on the air. And all three of them predicted we would not make it six months. Yeah. And here and, we are, 30 years And Tim Kalshaw's in the room right now. One <laughs> of those three. <laughs> and hey, given the lineup back then, yeah, I, I can see why on. you see George Dunham, Craig Miller, and who's Gordon who? And you're thinking, there's no way. Sure. These guys are going to be around. And the biggest thanks goes to our listeners, the P1s, without question, the most loyal listening audience in America. We have told you this before, but consultants in this business use our P1s as the example of what a station should should strive for. Hundreds of other stations around the country have tried to duplicate it. They've tried to come up with a nickname for their listeners. They've tried to develop a bond with their listeners, but nobody's been able to replicate it. So 30 years worth of thank yous to our P1s, your support of our shows, our charities, our families, has just meant the world to us. Yeah, the P1s are just... Incredible. Yeah, those stations that think, well, okay, that's where you do it. You just 
call your listeners P1s and you got it. Mm-hmm. It doesn't work that way. And now, my birthday gift to everybody. Uh-oh. This is about three minutes of, in my opinion, the greatest audio in the history of this station. It still cracks me up, and I was laughing uncontrollably as it was happening. For years, we have had the fake Nolan Ryan on our show. He often talks about his battles with snow monkeys, because we learned many years ago that the real Nolan Ryan, we were talking to him at that Texas Rangers Museum, Mm -hmm. he told us he was working with the Texas Ag Department, and then he told us they were dealing with some snow monkey issues, and we kind of looked at each other. George and I were standing there with Nolan. And we were kind of like, this is a little crazy, but it's Nolan. So we just listened to it. Well, the fake Nolan Ryan took that information and ran with it. And so he's had these battles with snow monkeys, the fake Nolan Ryan, forever. Well, fast forward a few years. This is 2008. And the real Nolan Ryan was our headliner at Ticketstock. He was on stage with all the hosts. And I asked him about snow monkeys. And the response we got from Nolan exceeded all of our expectations. You did some work over there for U.S. Beef. I know we were talking to you one time. You were big into the agriculture scene here in the state of Texas. And I remember talking to you once about snow monkeys. Do you have a recollection of that conversation? And were you, uh, in, were you in a battle with snow monkeys, or were you trying to preserve them, or what was the deal? Well, I was on uh, the governor had appointed me to uh, uh, the Parks and Wildlife Commission. And, and in one of our public hearings, we had this lady that uh, had uh, tried to protect this group of snow monkeys that came in from Japan through Seattle and they eventually ended up in Texas and they had a compound down there and it was dilapidated and then the monkeys... The snow monkeys? Yeah, it was the snow monkeys and the snow monkeys were starting to uh, escape and uh, they were getting all over South Texas and uh, they were concerned about uh, about hunters shooting them and uh, so... They delegated me as a snow monkey ambassador. <laughs> and I had to go down and uh, meet with the snow monkey people. And uh, so we drive out on this ranch, and, and these trees are just, there's thousands of them. And they see this truck come up, and the lady that uh, is ahead of the snow monkey we drive up there, and these snow monkeys are all, it's kind of like one, one of these things you see in Africa. They're all over the car and the truck, you know. And, and I, she said, well, let's get out. And I said, well, I'm not getting out. But she says, they're all right. And so I reluctantly got out, and when I got out, one of them jumped off the, the top of the truck on my shoulder and was hanging on. And I didn't know what to do. I mean, I was standing there like petrified wood. And... and uh, and she had these Hershey kisses, and the reason they were so excited is that she gives them Hershey kisses, and they sit there and they they very neatly open it, and uh, then about the time they get it unpeeled, where they're getting ready to eat it, another one will come over and knock them down and pick it up and eat it. Boy, they, it was the craziest thing ever. But anyway, they raised enough money, they got a new compound, and now they uh, have a, have them under birth control, and they. <laughs> That's so great. <laughs> That's the story of the snowman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, now, and now I'm an ex-ambassador of the snowman. There you go. Oh, yeah, there you go. Gosh. <laughs> My favorite. 
<laughs> moment in 30 years here at the ticket. Him that just overusing the word snow monkeys is just priceless. <laughs> it's a monkey! One time you stopped him. Well, yeah, the snow monkeys. Well, yeah, snow monkeys. They're out there doing that. And, and you that. can talk to the snow monkey people. I mean, it's kind of like a snow monkey ambassador. I mean, it was as good or better than anything the fake Nolan ever yeah. gave us about snow monkeys. Yeah. It's awesome. <laughs> when you hear us mess up on the station, text eBreak to 22126. Register to win a $50 gift card to Flip's Patio Grill. Cold beer, big patios, great burgers and your favorite teams on the big screens. Flips Patio Grill in Grapevine, Fort Worth, or online, flipsgrill.com. Well, today is our 30th birthday, 30th anniversary of the tickets signing on the air back in January of 1994 on the 24th. 6 a.m. that morning, it was not the Musers show. We weren't moved to Morning Drive until the fall of 1995. For the first year and a half, Morning Drive was anchored by Skip Bayless. He was the first voice that you heard at 6 a.m. when the station signed on the air 30 years ago today. And we thought we would have him on the program to wish him a happy anniversary and just see what he's up to. Let's open the door and welcome Skip Bayless into the studio. Whoa, okay. Hi, Skip. Good morning and welcome to history. You are listening to the first breaths of the first all-sports radio station in Dallas history. You are listening to the second rebirth of what will become no- become known as Skip Bayless's very own new ticket. Okay. Your ticket inside Dallas-Fort Worth sports. And my annoying personality that puts off every person who works with him. <laughs> I so am nice. Skip Bayless, a.k.a. Dr. Bay. Yeah. Oh I started this station many years ago, and I am here to take it back. No longer will you hear the morning losers. Oh, gosh. Now you will hear my show, and my show will become known as intolerable ass talking out of his butt with extreme condescension and performative outrage. It'll be known as that? (laughs) And as you listen to intolerable ass talking out of his butt with extreme condescension and performative outrage, I have a promise for you. And you can put this in 33-inch headlines. You will be tired of my butt within 90 seconds. (laughs) Don't forget to follow me on Twitter, which will become known as X. I think it already is. You can see me on X throw away the same five Cowboys jerseys into a clean garbage can after every Cowboy loss. Always doing that. You will be able to see me in posted television show clips, haranguing black co-host, and pretending to be a huge Cowboys fan despite hating the Cowboys every day I actually lived in the Metroplex. Yeah, what about that character? Whatever happened to him? Yes, I pretend that I never worked at the ticket, but now I'm taking over the ticket. I am I am Skip Bayless, your new morning show host. No longer will you hear George Dunnow or Craig Filler on these airwaves. You will get the real poop from my mouth to your ears. Oh, gross. 
I am the only one with the courage and the conviction to tell Mary Jones that he needs to fire Mike Mafartzi. <laughs> and that they cannot depend on Dak Prescott or oh. see the lamb to slaughter. Oh, God. It's time for the Cowboys to get rid of Micah missing Parsons. <laughs> no longer should we depend on Durand plays bland. <laughs> I knew you'd do something with Durand, that name, yeah. Skip. Okay. Demarcus Lawrence is no longer D-Law, but now D can't lay down D-Law. Oh, my God. That's Man. torturous. You two guys hated me when I was here because <laughs> no, we you were jealous that. of me. No, we you were jealous you. about how I could never pass up a mirror without staring at my sinewy biceps and bird face for 10 minutes. <laughs> bird face. You were jealous that I was the only one to separate every one of my spoken words with a comma or a dash. It is weird. <laughs> you were jealous because I plowed through the ticket secretarial pool for ego-stroking romantic okay. partners who would let me do stuff to their bathroom areas while not taking them to work events. <laughs> Skip. I was Dr. Bay, and I am Dr. Bay now. I am the original king of the ticket, and that is undisputed. Uh. Oh. I was the first take that the ticket ever had, and I will be the last. Okay, I'm ah, fine. That shot clock has got me. I got to go get on a treadmill and put on my nipple clamps and come up with my five idiotic takes of the day. <laughs> That's how he does it? I guess so. Wow. Man, I realize I, he used nipple clamps. I think that was a mistake. <laughs> All right, it's 847 on the ticket. Yes, this is our 30th birthday party. Pretty darn amazing. We're all pretty happy about that. The Musers through the years. Next. 8.57 on the ticket. You got the morning Musers. Gordo's Corner coming up here at 9.15. We'll check in with the star. David, 9.35. We're celebrating 30 years of the ticket being on the air. January 24th, 1994, our first day. And I remember our one-month anniversary, our one-year, five-year, ten-year, twenty. They were all special. This one just feels so much different. <laughs> I guess just, you know, it's another five years since we celebrated the 25th. We've been through a lot here the last 30 years, but it just, what's happened here, the collection of people that have been together here for 30 years, it just doesn't happen in our business that these Station even stays with the same format for 30 years. Um, and back when we started, there were plenty of skeptics, and I could see why they felt that way. Could all sports radio work in Dallas-Fort Worth? We all thought it could because we're all big sports nuts and thought that it would be a great idea. But even with that, just because you have a good idea doesn't mean it's going to work on the air. Yeah, at the time, 1994, there weren't that many all-sports stations in America. There was the fan in New York City, which was the first and the biggest, and at that time, the best. And there were a few others. There was one in Minneapolis, a couple of others. Boston, I think, had one by then. But we all thought, at the very least, Dallas needed one. Now, whether our version would work or not, we weren't sure. We had some confidence, but we certainly weren't sure. 
But Dallas is such a great sports market, and with the Cowboys as the yes. centerpiece, and at the time they're winning Super Bowls and they're they're the story in sports. That was that was a good time for us to sign on the air with the Cowboys at their peak. Yes, absolutely. And <laughs> Cowboys are going to the Super Bowl the week we went on the air the morning. That Skip started this whole thing back in 94. The Cowboys had just knocked off the 49ers again, second straight year in the NFC title game. That game was at Texas Stadium, and they were off to Atlanta. You and I flew to Atlanta that afternoon after we did our show. We were in the afternoons uh, then from 2 to 5, and then we were off to Atlanta. You had been to a Super Bowl before, the year before. Mm -hmm. I had not been and was just, and I think you were too that first week, just Two kids in a candy store uh, being at the Super Bowl with the Cowboys. Yeah, and that one the year before I had gone as a reporter for our, our old station, but it was different being there doing an actual talk show and being on Radio Row. Yeah, and that was the first time that we saw that, and that was really when Radio Row, because all sports stations were starting to pick up some steam, mm-hmm. and that's uh, where it started you know, becoming so big, where you'd have hundreds of radio stations from around the country gathered at the Super Bowl. Although that first one was that we went to was pretty small compared to what it is now. Yes. Remember, it was in the basement of a hotel. Yeah. And there weren't that many stations there. There were maybe 30. Yeah, that would be my guess, 20 to 30. But I thought that was crazy. 30 yeah. radio stations together. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we would see celebrities walk by, and it was just a an incredible first week. It's been an incredible 30 years, and to the P1s, who've stayed with us from day one or day 1001, we can't thank you enough. And we've had so many people just on this show that back in January of 94, we started in the afternoons. We picked up Gordo somewhere along the way. You were trying to explain that to the invasion yesterday. The way I remember it, even when we were two to five, that's when we started doing some characters I, I think that's when Ribby jumped up on this. What do you mean, character? I mean, uh, that we would call, that yes, she would yes. find the number. I had found this guy named <laughs> yeah, Ribby Pulse. And, yeah, and, and we started uh, doing you know things like that. And and then uh, when Mike Thompson came here to be our program director, he put us in the mornings and paired us with you and said, you're going to be our, our funny guy. And you were first known as the little, little Hummer boy because you would drive around the Metroplex in a Hummer. That's not why he called me the little Hummer boy. Um, oh, okay, I didn't mean to bring that up. It was a different what, time then, and it was wrong then and wrong now. But and what happened? Uh, I don't know if you guys saw Steve Cactus Pryor. He just walked yeah. in the studio. He was our first board operator that first day we were on the air. Um, and, and he was uh, playing carts that day. And I think he started telling us a story that day that is still going. He every just time finished we, it. He just got finished it. Yeah, it takes a yeah. while to get through a story, but but Cactus has been with us a long time. Day oneer. And now it's just Cactus and us mm-hmm. as on-air day oneers here. Um, Danny Miles, after him, ran the board. Roger Wicker, the great Steve Porcari. Jillian Moran was here with us for 20 years. Uh, now Tyler runs our board. Ted Ganji was our first producer. The late Greg Mayero followed him. M.I. Blackwell and, of course, Fernando for so long. Baldy's doing our tickers now. And we've had an assortment of characters there, David Burrell, uh, Gary Daniels, Mark Followell, Jimmy Christopher, Rich Phillips. Of course, Rich was with us for a long time. Sean Bass with us for a long time doing tickers. 
Logan Gorley. We had Ty Walker, I think, for a little bit, maybe a month here or there. Mm-hmm. But if nothing else, just a shout-out to Ty Walker. Shout-out to Ty Walker. Here in our 30th birthday party. And I hope, and I'm sure I did leave somebody out. DJ. You already said DJ. Yeah, I mentioned DJ doing uh, the tickers as well. Um, we've had so much support, and working with you guys is awesome. And uh, we realized that that, that uh, uh, Hall of Fame uh, day that we had together, the Texas Radio Hall of Fame, to me it hit home that we were approaching 30 years. 20 seemed outrageous. 25 was the same. 30 just, it feels different. I'll tell you this way. Like we had parties these uh, these other anniversaries. My kids didn't come to those. They're going to be there Friday. Yeah. Yeah, it's just different. It's, 30, it's very different. 30 seems like a lifetime. Yeah. 20 and 25 seemed like a long time, but to get to 30, it seems like a lifetime. And we've talked to people that I never would have imagined we would talk to that have been the president of this country, actors, Hall of Fame coaches. We've had a million e-breaks. And as you'll hear, we need a montage and so here we go. Montage. A user's montage of 30 years of e-breaks and somehow finding a way to laugh our way through it. We are really happy to welcome the 43rd president Yay. of the United States to the show, George W. Bush. Good morning. Well, good morning. Thank you all for being here. Yes, sir. Thanks for having us. You guys actually do have uh, faces for radio. <laughs> I know. I know. We've told that before. Yeah, yeah. We we're looking into cosmetic surgery, though. Yeah, we're looking into it. That'll help. I think there may be something to the Bigfoot thing. Really? Yeah. All right, how big is he? Is he like nine foot tall? Uh, is that how much they speculate that he is? Yeah, they make up that he's probably about nine feet tall. Yeah, seven to nine feet tall. Some of the Sean Bradley range. They're more filled out. <laughs> if, they, if, if they did find him, Nellie would, Nelly would draft him. <laughs> Cuban would, I guarantee right. you. Right. You guys him up people and his hand <laughs> John in Plano, you're on Sports Radio 1310, the ticket. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Jones, with, yes, all, John. with all due respect, sir, I've been following the Dallas Cowboys since 1960, and I can speak for 90% of the, of the people I've talked to. Your way of doing business the last three years is utterly failed. You just got through making this statement. You don't know of that one human being that can be uh, make the difference. Well, when are you going to step back? And, and hire a general manager, a football man, a man that knows football, and then in turn stay out of the, stay out of the business of, 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 of coaching this team. Did you like those three Super Bowls? You didn't want did, in the last ten. You know how many people coach. have won three Super Bowls in the last ten years? You didn't. Did coach. you enjoy those? You know nothing. I about hope football. you did. I you hope you nothing. did very much. Now, let me say one other thing to you. The day I step down is the day I don't have the football team. That's the deal that I made with you the first night I ever walked in here. We had some interesting things on that show for five years, and, and I really had a great time with John Davis. And Kathy Lee Crosby was our other host on that show. Which? Right. What's that? Yeah. <laughs> that was quite a show. That was, that a great was very show. popular. Please join us in silence as we remember those innocent Americans lost in this unconscionable, cowardly act of terrorism on our nation. Uh, Paul in... Uh, what, what, KTCK, oh, Dallas, Fort Worth. KTDK, Sherman Dennison. KTDK, Sanger. I'm very sorry about that. I wasn't uh, 
I wasn't paying attention. I'm very sorry. Well, this hey, is supposed to be the moment of silence now, then. All right, let's do the moment of silence. You can't still be mad. That was like 10 years ago. It was like 10 years. Oh, my God. Wait, what are you doing? Oh. What are you doing? You can't grab someone around the throat. We came over just to say to make peace. Yeah. Out. Out of where? Yeah. Oh, my God, he's assaulting Gordo. That's Whoa. an assault. That's a physical assault. Greenfield was... <laughs> Was following behind Blitzer. <laughs> Dang. And as Blitzer stepped up, <laughs> Greenfield Greenfield placed his... <laughs> what, what's wrong with you? What's going on? I don't know. Are we still on? Greenfield placed... <laughs> <laughs> what is going on? <laughs> so giggly okay. about... <laughs> this is so funny. I don't know why this tickles me so much. Okay, Greenfield was following behind Blitzer, and as Blitzer stepped, <laughs> as Blitzer stepped up, Greenfield placed his hand in the small of Blitzer's back to help him up. <laughs> It gets put out before anyone it's gets hurt or like major oh, damages. Okay. Kind of right. burns out the bathroom, you know, so you don't. Yeah, at that point, that guy just needs to go in the shower and then do the waffle stomp. <laughs> Listen to that laugh. <laughs> waffle stomp. <laughs> Have you ever been married? Yes. Way to go, Gord. That's a way to go, Gord. Man, you stepped. for you. Okay. My husband passed away 13 years ago. <laughs> And then she laughs. <laughs> Got sick and, and passed away. Man, did you step oh, in a bear goodness. trap wow. or what? Okay, all right. I'm sorry, hey, Shannon. You turn red. I know, I'm turning red here. <laughs> so, uh, okay, so of, of natural causes? No. Okay, nice. <sighs> Gordon. You want me to keep making it worse for you? Is there something worse? Christmas Eve, he committed suicide. Gordon, just stop it. <laughs> Trump was unhappy with the channel that they had created, moaning that it was boring. <laughs> because the gorillas aren't fighting. <laughs> so they so then they they went in and edited all of the parts where they weren't fighting each other. And made it a lot more action-packed. And there was a quote that said from an insider, Some days... (laughs) 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 Some days he'll watch the Gorilla Channel for 17 straight hours. P1, baby. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, you guys are awesome. I'm, I, I, you know, you're you're uh, a classic example of hard work. You're dominant. You're rocking. <laughs> Whoa! What was that, that ending? That's not ending weird, there. Weird ending. That was a nice job on the edits <laughs> there, but that was a... 9/11 president. Jeez. Should have thought that out a little bit more. <laughs> God. Whose idea was that? <laughs> that was what not a, our idea. What a panic. 
<laughs> well, there you go. Uh, 30 yeah, years okay, of yeah, 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 oh, Sorry about the way it ended. <laughs> Sorry about that. One more e-break. <laughs>